0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: You can have images image there that represented what you believe God was, everything else. Never mind that it doesn't hear, it doesn't speak, doesn't move, doesn't do anything. But I got what everybody else has. Number two, maybe the bigger issue I see is that it's, it's the true and living God, because He's invisible, it requires faith to engage the true and living God and people don't wanna live by faith. I don't wanna pray to a God I can't see. I wanna see something, even if it doesn't hear me. I want something I can see, I want something I can feel. We have that today. There are people that are discontented. I wanna feel something.
0: Have you ever seen or felt the physical presence of God? Very few men or women have. Most believers have experienced Him in a spiritual capacity, but they've never seen Him with their eyes. For many in our world, that simply isn't enough. They want a physical experience. As Pastor Bill would explain in today's message, this is what leads many to idolatry. In modern society, this doesn't usually mean bowing down to a man made figure, but instead living a life focused on serving physical needs and desires. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges, chapter 17, for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: It'd be better for you to be our priest for all of us, or you you know. I think that the, what was not spoken was, you want to die here with this fool or you want to come with us, you know? And for sure, he was like, well, I, yeah, I feel called. I feel like, I, I pray right now, I, I felt immediately called to go with you guys, yep. I'm not called to be here anymore, yep. <laughs> I agree. That's what a hireling will do, right? That's what somebody without a heart, without a calling, a hireling will do. They're just going to go where the money is, you know? Back in um, in in the time of, of the... the of the kings, and um, even beyond that, there be times where the prophets would they're acknowledge that these men are just hirelings. When, when it came to watching sheep, if these were your sheep, like when King David watched his sheep, and a lion or a bear came out, what did you what did he do when it was his sheep? Life on the line. I'm going out there with clubs and staffs and everything. I'm fighting off lions and tigers. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I mean this this is my sheep. If you get all my sheep, that's is mine. But when you would hire someone to watch your sheep, a hireling and a wolf or somebody came and be like, hey, man, they got they got three sheep. <laughs> I mean, you know, I barely escaped with my life, you know, praise God, you know, but they three of your sheep are gone. I, I you know, I, I did the best I could. That's what a hireling would do. I'm not putting my life on the line for those. they, ain't mine. That's what a hireling is. And so when it comes to the, the work of God and, you know, the, the way that we're to do the work of God, we don't ever want to do it like a hireling. You know, I do it for pay or I do it, you know, I do it for eyesight. I do it for people that are watching. We want to do everything we do for the Lord, that we do it with all of our heart. We do it with passion. We do it with everything that's in us because we do it for the Lord, not for men, not for anybody else. And so, you know, you see this guy flip flopping like this, just a hireling. He's not he's not doing anything of real conviction. He he's not even functioning in his God given capacity. He's all out of order anyway. And so when they, you know, threaten him this way. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I I, I feel called. I'm going to go with you guys. I'll be a priest to, to, you, your whole, to the whole tribe of Dan. I'll be your fake priest. Verse 20. It says, so the priest's heart was glad, and he took the ephod, the household idols, and the carved image, and he took a place. He took his place among the people. So the priest steps out of the house, and he goes and takes his place with the six hundred. So the man who hired him is going to have something to say about that. And then that, that comes here, verse 21. Then they turned and departed to put the to put the little ones, the livestock and the goods in front of them. And when they were a good way away from the house of Micah, the men who were in the houses near Micah's house gathered together and overtook the children of Dan. So they, they caught up and they called out to the children of Dan. So they turned around and said to Micah. What ails you that you have gathered such a company? So he gathered together some men, and I'm thinking, all right, they're going to scrap. You know, he's coming to do battle. You know, you know, they took your stuff. You got to go out and do something. And he gathered this company, and he says, why are you following us, the, the Danite said, with this company? He said, hey, you have taken away my gods, which I made, and the priests, and you have gone away. Now what more do I have? How can you say to me what ails you? Now I want you to just pause right there. Verse 24. And I want you to consider how foolish it sounds for someone to say, hey man, you stole my God that I made. You stole my, I made that God and you stole my God that I made. He should have just stopped right there and said, oh man, what a fool. If you have a God that you made or bought or someone else made, you know that it's not a God at all. If you have a God that can be stolen, you don't have a God at all. The, 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 you know, you read this and just think, man, like, you, you got to go chase people down. Hey, man, you took my God. You know, I'm going to scrap with you over my God, man. Put it back, you know. It's, this is the foolishness of idolatry, you know. In other sections of the Old Testament, you know, there was, they almost, promised, almost mocked the, the idea of idols. And look at idols, they have ears, but they can't hear. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have mouths, but they don't speak. They have hands that you created and carved, but they don't touch or heal or do anything. And I just wonder, I read this and I think, what was the draw? Like what, what would make a man or a woman depart from the true and living God and, and have a God that they created? And I, the only thing I can see over and over in scripture, is I see two things. One, because everybody else did it. Everybody else had a God that you could see. God, that you can, you can go get the silversmith to make you a really nice one and put it up in your house. And you can have image there that represented what you believe God was, everything else. Never mind that it doesn't hear, it doesn't speak, doesn't move, doesn't do anything. But I got what everybody else has. Number two, maybe the bigger issue I see is that it's it's the true and living God, because he's invisible. It requires faith to engage the true and living God. And people don't want to live by faith. I don't want to pray to a God I can't see. I want to see something, even if it doesn't hear me. I want something I can see. I want something I can feel. We have that today. There are people that are discontented. I want to feel something. There are churches that that's what that's what it's all about. It's not about truth. It's not about speaking what's right. It's not about teaching people the truth. People have come. I came for an experience and you better give me one before I leave. I don't care what that experience is. I don't care how unbiblical the experience is. I just want to have an experience before I leave this building. And you can go places where they'll run you in laps and bark like dogs and cluck like chickens. And I'm not joking when I say this. Where they, all manner of, of things will be done. And you have you an experience before you leave there. But will it be a biblical experience? Will it be something that God was part God was engaged in any way? Probably not. Just a lot of flesh, a lot of human Ingenuity, a lot of a lot of, 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 of the exercise of men's emotions and feelings, but nothing, nothing of the Lord. Uh, I watched this video. Um, I, I forgot who I was showing it to some of the guys here. But it was a, a church where if, if you could ever see like like if you could ever, you know, men can be kind of competitive about things. You know, where we just want to one up one another on stuff. It's, it's a man pride kind of thing. But I want you to take that to church. And there was this church where, you know, they were they were having a Holy Ghost good time. The guy was up singing, and you know, and and you know, they call for the Holy Spirit when it's time. And so he when he hit this one note, everybody knew this was the time to shout, and they started shouting. And it started with just a shout. Guys were shouting. Then, you know, a couple guys start running laps, and so guys were running laps. Then uh, a few guys were coming off with coming out the coats. One guy came and stood in the front and swung his coat like this and threw it and hit the minister with the coat. And it was going in a frenzy, but here's the guy that topped everybody behind the minister up here. There's a baptismal, and this guy said, You know what? <laughs> y'all, y'all have run a lap. A few people had the nerve to run up on the stage when well, he ran up the thing, got on the stool here, jumped in the baptismal, and then got out. And everybody was like, Whoa, you know, like that was that was the crescendo. You couldn't do anybody, couldn't top that. And I, I watched this thing, and it, it was funny. But you're watching and thinking this was church for them tonight. The guy never taught, right? That's the other mindset is that, you know, we never they never even got to the word. The Holy Spirit moved so powerfully. We never even got the book open. He just moved. Never mind that he moved in a way that the word doesn't say that he moved and everything else, but he moved. We had we had church tonight, boy. We had a we had an encounter with the they ran laps and jumped in baptismals and baptized himself and everything else. You look that up on YouTube tonight, you have a good laugh. This is um, but you know, you just realize that that there are people that they want. I want to encounter something. I want to experience something. But we got to be so careful that we want what God wants. God, I want to experience you according to your truth. I just don't. I don't just want an encounter. I don't just want to experience something. I want it to be legitimate and real. And so, uh, again, these guys. This guy is chasing down his gods that were stolen. And I just I just read that earlier and I thought, man, how how ridiculous would it have to be that I got to chase down my God? Like he, can't, cause he can't he can't he can't control who takes him, where he stays, where he goes. I got to go chase him down. You know, um, if you have a God that can be stolen, you need to demote that thing from, you know, it, it shouldn't be God. And, you know, I, I got a friend that had a God on four wheels. Don't have a God on four wheels. Have a car on four wheels. Don't have a God that can be stolen. Amen. I love you, Clint. That was Clint, man. The Lord, he got totaled, the rim split and rolled all over the place. And the Lord said, Now now, worship me. <laughs> all right, so verse 25 now it says, And the children of Dan said to him, Do not let your voice be heard among us, lest angry men fall upon you and you lose your life uh, with the lives of your So the, the people of Dan said, hey, Amen, we don't want to hear nothing else from you, or else you and your family are going to die. And um, that'll be enough to to settle this guy. Again, these aren't people of war. They were living in peace. Verse 26, the children, then the children of Dan went their way. And when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned away and went back to his house. So they took the things Micah had made and the priest who had belonged to him. So now you own a priest. I just want to point that out to you. You own God and you own the priest. Who did the priest belong to? Biblical priest. Belong to the Lord. And they can't be hired out by men. They belong to God. These men serve God. The, the, the genuine priest of God, they belong to the Lord. They did what God wanted and they listened to God and they ministered to the people on God's behalf and they went to God on behalf of the people. They were in a very important role in the worship of God in the Old Testament, Old Covenant. But in this era, where everybody did what was right in his own eyes, you got a Levite who shouldn't even be a priest, who can't be a legitimate priest, function as a priest who could be bought and taken and moved and I have my own priest at our house and I guess I should point out what's wrong with having the priest at your house because you got people that want this. this there's a form of religion. We, we have a priest. We want to worship the Lord. We want to in, in inquire of the Lord, but we don't want to do it the way God prescribed because God prescribed that they would come to the temple annually, That they would go to Shiloh and that's where they would go to, and to meet with the Lord and the, you know, if they wanted to go and encounter the priest of God that they would do that. But because everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes, the temples were vacant. The Levites weren't working. The priests weren't at the temples. And he said, look, I don't even want to go to Shiloh. I'll do my own thing. I'll have my own priest at my house so I can do it my way. And this reminds me of the people that would say, you know, God requires us to be in fellowship. Amen? Mm-hmm. Fellowship is not something that God says you should do. You must do. Um, Hebrews 10, 24, uh, you know, God said, look, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together like some are doing, as the manner of some. He says, and, and that much more. As you see the day approaching, as you see that we're in the end times, even more, you want to make sure you're gathering together with the believers. And the previous verses said that we would gather together. One of the purposes is to stir up one another for love and for good works. Um, that there's, there's something that God does when we come together that he doesn't do when we are apart. When we come together with the believers, there are times where your gifts are an encouragement to others, and their gifts can be an encouragement to you. But you remove you from the body gathering, your gifts are not being helpful to anybody. You're just alone by yourself. And their gifts are not benefiting you because you have to come together with the body for all that to transpire. And so you have people that are like, no, I just, you know, I do my own thing. I got my own relationship with the Lord. You know, I, I go to the beach. I don't know, golf course. You know, I get out there on that golf course, and I just... I just take in the Lord all by myself. Me and God be woo, you know, and you have people with all manner of reasons why they out of fellowship. You know, now I just have my own private personal. If your thing with God was so deep, you would do what God says do and you would be at a gathering so everybody else can benefit from your deepness. If that's what it really was, you know, so um, we always want to be careful to, to 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 encounter the Lord in the way that he prescribes. And the church gathering is one of the ways that God prescribed that we would gather uh, that in this gathering, there'd be um, there be that all of our gifts would benefit one another, uh, that we would engage and interact with one another on a regular basis. And he tells us things to do when we gather. So if you don't gather, you miss all of that. So this guy was like, yeah, I have my own priest. Now I don't have to go up. Uh, I have my own priest at my own place and we can continue because we got a hireling priest. He ain't going to tell us nothing. We just threaten lives and everything else we tell him whatever we want. Hey, are we going to be blessed today? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. You're going to be blessed and highly favored and everything else that you want to hear. What else do you want to hear? You know, that's that's what they're going to get from from this fellow that they bought, you know. And so now look at verse um, 27. So they took the things Micah had made and the priests who had belonged to him. And they went to Laish to a people quiet and secure. And they struck them with the edge of the sword and they burned the city with fire. Um, there was no deliverer because it was far from Sidon, uh, Sidon and they had no ties with anyone. It was in the valley that belongs to Beth Rehob. So they rebuilt the city and dwelt there. And so they went, they defeated this city. They burned it down with fire to nothing and they defeated it. And like I told you in the beginning, they should have done this to the people that were in the territory God gave them. But now they've done this to a group that, again, these were not enemies of God. These were not people that were adversarial to the people of God. They've they've attacked people that they shouldn't have attacked, basically. And they didn't attack the people that they should have attacked. Verse 29. And they called the name of the city Dan after the name of Dan, their father, who was born to Israel. However, the name of the city formerly was Laish. Then the children of Dan set up for themselves the carved image And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. So they set up for themselves Micah's carved image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. So the whole time the house of God was in Shiloh, they had this. They had their own thing going on. We don't go up. We worship right here where we are. We worship at home. Now, they got false gods. They got carved images. They got gods that have been created by hands. They got a false priest set up. And that's what they've chosen rather than to go and do things God's prescribed way. And so a few lessons from the two chapters that I would point out. One is when if we don't do what's right in our eyes, but seek to do what's right in God's eyes, you know, we're going to do that according to his word. We find here that everybody was doing what they thought was right and not what God prescribed or God said was right. And so the way that we avoid that is by being a people that live by the word. You can't live by the word if you don't know the word. Uh, so it's important that we're daily in the word. It's important that we're in fellowship regularly, listening to the word be taught. Uh, but it's more important that we obey the word that we know. Uh, but again, I can't obey the word that I don't know. And I remember, you know, for my wife and I, when we first got to uh, the second church that we were at when we got after we got married, we were at one church when we first got married. We made a stop at another church, and then we ended up at Calvary Chapel down. But on our way, you know, we had just got married, and I look back now, the counsel that I got from marriage at our first church was so horrific. It was so bad what they were encouraging. It was it was very, you know, one it was a single pastor. There weren't any successful marriages there, but it was a very chauvinistic mindset that the men were being fed. And um, I think it's almost why it was almost as soon as I got married, the Lord was like, you got to get out of here. And I was like, oh, man. And it was a difficult thing. But we broke ties and we went in the second church. I went to the pastor was married and him and his wife had been married for a good amount of time. They had kids and he was teaching the roles of marriage through Ephesians. And I remember getting there and hearing this man teach from the Bible and how everything he said went in the face of what I was being encouraged to be. I was encouraged to, you know, just kind of, you know, take your stand as the boss, like this dominate, you know, you the man, you know, you. They, they were, I would commonly hear men in ministry say stuff like this. If that woman get in the way of my ministry, she got to go. I get another one. I get another wife. And it was like, I mean, she was just a, you know, and that's why them brothers in that church had. You know, they have multiple divorces and remarriages, everything else that was commonplace. I get to a place where I'm hearing another guy with the Bible say, "Now you're going to love her like Christ loved the church. You're going to die to yourself. You're going to make it work. You're going to make it work over your dead body. And I'm like, that's that's in contrast to what I was hearing. But what I was hearing also, my spirit was agreeing. As I was hearing him say die, my spirit was saying that that Jesus did die. And it does say like Christ, and and it, and it just was like, man, this is I was like revolutionary. It changed my life. I'm glad that, but you know, we were still honeymooning when we got there. We hadn't had a, a, a we hadn't had an issue yet, except for the issue of me telling my wife we need to leave. Um, you know, but that was that was a, that was good enough. But we got there, and I felt like, man, you know, this marriage wouldn't have made it on the counsel we had received. But it was it was later what we got from the Word of God that would kind of sturdy us, and. Part of it was getting that information, but then it was living it out. And I remember we bought those tapes and we used to listen to them. We both were like, man, this was jamming. That was a jamming series. To this day, I still remember the way certain things were put and said. And it was like, yeah, God's word changed the course of that part of our lives, how that would have went. Then I got to Calvary Downey and there were all these other things that, that I got. Here's my point. The thing that will guard us from doing what just what we think or what we feel or what seems right is to be people that get it from the word. Challenge yourself. You know, this is what I feel like. What does the word say? And if what the word says and what I feel like are different, then I'm going to bend God's way. In every area of life, that could be in your personal life, in your relationships with other people, in your marriage, in your parenting, and how we do ministry. God, I feel like this, but you say that. Therefore, I'm going I'm to submit to you, I'm going to do it your way. Not 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 what's right in my eyes, but what's right in your word. And I believe if we live like that, uh, we'll all be spared lots of errors and missteps in our walk and our relationship with the Lord. Next thing is like this man that was, you know, first he was a Levite and then he was a priest. And then he was all these things he shouldn't have been. He was a, a for hire, basically. Lion prophets, priests, pastors, ministers not a new trick of the enemy Uh, you could almost look at every error and Satan had liars and so that should teach God's people to be discerning Um, that we can't just you know indiscriminately take in what men say but you challenge everything that men say by what God says and the Bible says let God be true and every man a what Liar. If you speak speaking something different than what he says, I don't care what your position is, what your title is, how somebody else reveres you. You may be pastor, bishop, apostle, whatever. But if what you're saying differs from what God says, you, you don't don't honor a man above God ever, because we see it here. We've seen it throughout biblical history. We've seen it throughout our history. There are always men that are misspeaking in the name of the Lord. And God didn't leave his kids out here vulnerable God's like, I gave you my word. If you will read my word, you'll be able to discern what's of me and what's not of me. So you don't get caught up. Last thing. And I would just press this point home. If you don't fight the fights that God calls you to, you may end up fighting battles that God hasn't called you to. And when you fight the battle, God hasn't called you to. Even when you win, you lose. They won this battle and took this area, but they ended up where God didn't want them to be. They weren't where they were supposed to be. They weren't in the scenario they were supposed to be. And they eventually get taken captive from the very spot that they killed these people and took to be in because they weren't where God called them to be. Uh, they were outside of the will of God. And so for you and me, careful where you We're all called to fight and we're warriors and we're always at war as believers. But you be careful where the energy for the war is being directed. If you find it, man, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting people. Well, you know, you shouldn't be fighting people because the Bible says that we don't war against flesh and blood. So if you're fighting with flesh and blood, stop it. Already know that's not God's will. The fighting that we do, you can do in your bedroom all by yourself on your face before the Lord. And that's always a winnable war. Those are the battles. We're fighting spiritual battles. And you should be able to do it on your face. You should be able to do it in prayer. But if you find again that you're fighting with people or you're fighting for the wrong things, if if it's misplaced, some of those battles, if you win, you lose. There are people that have attacked me that I was in position to attack back. And if I had attacked them and won, I lose spiritually because that was not what God wanted for me to do. And the victory was a victory in stepping away and just giving it back to the Lord. That was a victory there. There was a victory there in just praying and leaving it with God that could be had. But there, there, there any any engagement from me to them back was going to be a lose, a loss. So be careful that um, the people of Dan wouldn't fight where God told them to fight, and so they didn't get the victory God wanted, but they were willing to go fight people that they weren't supposed to fight, and even though they won, they lost. Don't put any energy and effort into fighting a battle that even if you win, you look at it and you say, "Even if I win this, I lose. Don't give any energy, don't, any effort to that, because we have been called to war, but like I said earlier, uh, it takes a lot of energy and passion and emotion to engage in battle, so don't waste it in the wrong place. You'll find that you're just depleted spiritually For nothing That's like a double loss
0: Thanks for listening today To A Transforming Word Pastor Bill Buffington is curling teaching Through the Book of Judges An Old Testament book that gives you a glimpse Into a volatile time in Israel's history Throughout this book, however You also get to see God's faithfulness And mercy as He rescues His people again and again God is ready to rescue you too If you're ready to cry out to Him Today, you can turn away from your sins and acknowledge the gift of grace that's being offered to you, the grace that forgives everything you've done wrong. It's all thanks to Jesus. We want to talk to you more about that. Would you give us a call? Our number is 310-245-4811. We're happy to answer your questions and pray with you as you start a new life. That number again is 310 245 4811. We'd love for you to join us for church this weekend too. While we can't meet you in person right now, we're still joining you live in your own home with our online worship services. Join us Sunday at 9 a.m. on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, or on Instagram. There's links to all of those on our website, CalvaryEnglewood.org. We're also streaming live on Wednesday at 7 p.m. on those same platforms, or you can watch later through our YouTube channel. All of that is available at CalvaryEnglewood.org. We're so glad you took time today to join us in the study of God's Word. And we want you to know that we're praying for you today. Join Pastor Bill next time for another edition of The Transforming Word.